Thank you for joining me on episode 34 of the Unique On A Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Gentleman, just a regular gal trying to help people know that they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. Wife, mom, and best-selling author Kelly Fraser shares with us her tricks and tips of the self-publishing world. After 12 published books, Kelly now coaches others through their publishing journey. If you feel that you are being called to write a book, I hope this interview brings the clarity you need. Welcome back to the Unique on Purpose podcast. Rachel Gentleman here with you, and we are traveling all the way to South Carolina with Kelly Frazier. Kelly, it's easy for me to remember your name because Frazier is one of my favorite TV shows, but I'm (laughs) thankful that you are here. Do you get that a lot? I do, actually. You do? Okay. Well, you are a wife, you're a mom, you're a podcaster, you're a business coach, you're the creator of the Fetch the Goodness cartoon, you help people build websites, you're also the author of 12 books, and I wanted to talk to you today because I think that in finding our uniqueness, there are often times that God will use our uniqueness to write and to be able to share with others, and you said that you just have a God story uh, when it comes to publishing books. And I just want you to go back and kind of share that with me. So first tell me, who is Kelly? And then tell me that process for you. Well, I would say that Kelly is um, really someone who just loves the Lord. I mean, I literally just love the Lord. And I have loved the Lord since I was really young. Um, a lot of times I would hear God speak to me as a child, and I did not know what to do with that. So I remember talking to my mom one day about it, and she said, Honey, just no, just just be quiet. You don't want people to think that you're different. And so I was different. What? And I and I was set apart. I was. I was set apart. And she didn't mean any harm by it, of yeah. course. But that's just something, as a parent, you don't want your kids to stand out and be different necessarily. Now, there are some parents who do and love yeah. that, but not my parents. My parents were not like that. So, and I understood what she was saying. She, you know, she wanted to kind of protect me. And so I let that go. I decided, okay, maybe it's not that I'm hearing the Lord, you know? Mm-hmm. So when I got older, um, I went through some trauma as a lot of teenagers do and a lot of, you know, like early 20s. I got married. I had children. Um, coming forward into my life, um, having this relationship with the Lord looked more like church. It didn't look like it did when I was young. And I miss that side. I miss that that really closeness with the Lord. And so I remember um, crying out to God, just saying, you know, I want to hear you again. I used to hear from you, and I don't hear from you anymore. Mm. Well, now, the truth of the matter is we all hear from him. Mm-hmm. It's just that I had stopped. I had chosen to stop listening to him. Yeah. And so it was me that had not set aside the time. Mm-hmm. So I would say, overall, that's who Kelly is, someone who longs to just listen to the Lord, be with the Lord. And a lot of people know me for that. Um, so that's that's where Kelly began, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Do you... Did it take a while for you to be able to process again how the Lord was speaking to you because you kind of had put that on the shelf for so long? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think when we turn off that um, desire to hear God, that it makes it more difficult for us. And so I was determined to have that relationship back again. And I went to church after church after church. 
um, trying to seek that, that closeness with the Lord again. And I think a lot of people do because, quite frankly, I believe with my whole heart that we are born to praise God, mm-hmm. but because the world kind of knocks that out of us, um, I feel like it does take us a long time to get back there. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners probably can can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happened to me, and this is where I feel like my life story actually began, it was in 2007 when um, I had already had children. Our youngest was 11 years old. The older ones had already gone, you know, grown up, moved on. And um, when I was life coaching at that particular time, I'd already been a life coach since 2004, uh, there was this this release inside of me that I was able to help serve other people through my coaching, and I did not necessarily do it the way anybody else did. I did it the way God continuously told me, and the only way that I got back to him was because my husband actually had um, this whole lifetime of and it's generational, that he had suicidal thinking. Mm-hmm. And so that led us into going to see some, some coaches for help instead of counselors. We went to see this couple who were, who were coaches. And so they led him to the Lord, and in that moment, I was just in such awe that all I wanted was that closeness again. And so I sought after it. In fact, I went to sleep one night, and I remember seeing Jesus holding my hand as a little girl. I was six years old walking down this long corridor, mm-hmm. and it was light after light after light down this corridor, and every light showed me another part of my life. And so he was basically just bringing me through all this stuff into freedom, and that was when I started to hear the Lord again. But in 2007, this is when everything changed. My little sister um, had died of cancer. Her son was 18, and he died of a drowning accident. Oh, and then, yeah, it was like event after event after event just like that happened. And yeah. at the end of the year... I ended up with a traumatic brain injury. So it was a year from hell, seriously. And um, in the, the moment that my head, before my head hit the pavement, I was flying through the air, and I remember three words coming out of my mouth, and it was, Jesus saved me. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I remembered those three words was because I remember saying, who said that? Because it wasn't me. I did not intentionally say those words. Mm -hmm. And so when my head hit the pavement, my brain had um, shifted forward and to the right, and I had blacked out. So many months later, my 11-year-old daughter is my caregiver. And I did not know this because sometimes I would be two years old. Sometimes I would be 20. You just never knew who you were going to be. Sometimes I was paralyzed on my right side. Sometimes I wasn't. You just never knew what was going to happen from day to day. She was my caregiver. Mm -hmm. And so in one particular night, I remember being cognitive in my, in my thought process and my reasoning. And I was watching her walk out the door and I realized I am not her mommy. She is my mommy. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I remembered those three words, Jesus saved me. Mm -hmm. Well, now suddenly I'm thinking, God, I know you can save me. Yeah. I just don't know why you haven't. Like, what's going on? I remember feeling angry almost. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I just said, you know what? If this is what it's going to be like tomorrow morning, I don't want to wake up. Yeah. I don't want her to go through that pain anymore. That This is wrong, mm-hmm. you know? And so the very next mo- uh, morning when I woke up, Rachel, I literally sat up thinking I had died and gone to heaven because there was no pain anywhere in my body. Oh, wow. I was realizing what was happening around me. Mm-hmm. I was 
totally, totally awake. And I remember touching my face, my neck, my chin, my chest, just to make sure that I was still alive because mm-hmm. I literally thought I had died and gone to heaven. Mm-hmm. And the reason was because in the room, there was love, peace, joy, unity, all these things that we talk about, but we don't truly understand how to experience them. In that room that morning was all of that and more. Mm-hmm. And I knew that the presence of God was there. Yeah. So I got up and I looked out the window and I noticed it was pitch dark. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. If the sun hasn't come up yet, then where is this light coming from? And in that moment, I understood where the light was coming from, but it faded instantly. And then I just felt so, like I had this, I can't even explain it, like a, like a, a sadness come over me mm-hmm. because I'm realizing in this moment I'm doubting what's here. And so because of that doubt, it, it started to fade. It started to disappear. Mm-hmm. And that reminded me of how I let God's voice disappear from my life, and I didn't mm-hmm. want that. So I paid close, close attention in that moment, and that was when all of these visions started to happen. There was three of them. The first one was me writing books. I saw myself sitting at tables with just mounds of books, pile after pile of books. Mm -hmm. And I had written them, and I knew I had written them, but it didn't make sense to me because I was not a writer, and I had no intention of ever writing a book. And then the second vision was me on a stage, and there were thousands of people all around that were raising their hands as if they were praising God. Mm -hmm. And again, that didn't make sense because I wasn't a speaker. I would never have gotten on a stage to speak in any way, shape, or form, so that didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And then the third vision was faces coming at me, and I, again, I didn't know these faces. I didn't know who these people were, but I knew that I had impacted them somehow. So in that moment, I was kind of snarky. <laughs> this is terrible to admit, but I was. I was <laughs> snarky. I was like, okay, God, how is any of that supposed to happen? Yeah. And I don't know why I had that attitude, but I did. And, and again, I felt bad for it. Mm-hmm. But that's when I heard two words loud and clear, and it said, trust me. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I knew I had a choice. Yeah. He was allowing me to choose. I could either say, yes, I'm going to trust you, or no, I'm not, and be right back where I was again. I knew that in that moment. Don't ask me how I knew it. I just knew it. Mm-hmm. And so I, in my, with my whole being, I said, okay. And I leaned in to trusting God in that very moment, and it changed the trajectory of my entire life. So moving forward, that's all I did. I wrote. I spoke. I met people from all over the globe. I began to be this person that nobody in their right mind would have ever thought that I could have been because I was the most introverted, shy, like really, really uh, scared to death of being in public Mm -hmm. or being seen because I felt like my whole life was about being invisible, you know? So it was a complete shift, a complete change. And my husband will tell you today that I am not the same person that he married and that had to have been very hard for him. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, that was my next question was, how in the world did your family take this? How did your husband take it? How did your kids take it? Yeah, very. it was very difficult. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. You know, people often think that when they have this relationship with the Lord and they fall madly in love with the Lord, which I did, that everything is going to be just great from mm-hmm. that point forward. And that's just not reality because the closer you get to the Lord, the the more peculiar you become and the 
the more the world looks at you as though you are just so, so weird, you know? Right. Because that is, that's the truth. And sometimes you get persecuted for that. Mm-hmm. And that pretty much is what happened. My family began to persecute me for this oddity that I had become. And the healing, although the healing was amazing and miraculous, um, and it was to be celebrated, it also came with that type of persecution because my family wanted me to be who I used to be, yeah. not who I was, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. that was a bit challenging, but my daughter no longer had to care for me, and that was the greatest thing for me and for her. Right. So now you you have this new life, and you're completely healed, and you're moving forward to writing books. I mean, did how did you know what you want? I mean, you had the vision, so you knew God was calling you to write but how did you know what to write? Great question. I didn't. Um, <laughs> I I really didn't. I had ended up, I think, let's see, that was 2008. So it wasn't until 2010 that I actually published my first book. So it took some time. Um, but it wasn't like, oh, yeah, I took like months or years to think about what it was I was going to write. It didn't happen like that. Mm-hmm. I was traveling from Hawaii. I had spent two weeks in Oahu. My husband and I were traveling back, and we took different plane flights. I was on the night flight. What is that called? The red eye? Red eye, yes. Yeah. So I was coming back and everybody on the plane had fallen asleep and it was a small plane and everybody had fallen asleep. Everybody was snoring around me and I was, for some reason, I was wide awake and all of a sudden I heard the Lord say, pick up your computer and write. Hmm. And and I was thinking to myself, okay, that had to have been me because God doesn't know the word computer. (laughs) I literally (laughs) had that thought. I literally had that thought. And so I just, I said, well, okay, if it wasn't, then I better just pick it up because I don't know for sure, you know. So I pulled out my computer from from my bag and I put it on my lap. And all of a sudden, as soon as the Word document pulled up, all of a sudden, all these words started coming out. And Mm -hmm. it was three different stories of my life that were just like basic stories, like it was nothing deep. But it could have been, okay? Mm-hmm. But it was it was more surfacy about these three different areas of my life. Mm-hmm. And before I reached home back in Michigan at the time, uh, my book was already written. Mm-hmm. It took 14 hours for me to go from Hawaii to Michigan for 14 hours because of just taking different transportation modes and having to have long layovers. And that book was done before I got back home. Wow. And I was shocked. I could not believe it. I had just written a book in 14 hours. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't know what to do with that. I had no idea how to publish books or anything like that. So the Lord led me to a a mentor, someone who knew how to do it. And so it cost money to have me learn how to publish books. But it was well worth the time and the effort that I had put in to learn. Um, The interesting thing is that mentor, there was so much that the mentor hadn't taught me that God wanted me to learn. Mm. So he taught me even more just by my listening. It was a constant state of, okay, now I'm listening. Okay, now I'm going and I'm doing because Mm -hmm. I heard what he said. Mm -hmm. And that's how the book publishing began. In 2010 was Connecting Faith, Hope, and Love. That was the first book that I ever wrote. And every book consecutively after that was the same thing. I never wrote a book. I never sat down to plan out the book. It just came out whenever God told me to sit down and write. And that's how I would write these books. Mm -hmm. And people have a hard time believing that because they'll take years to write a book. Right. I know I've been working on mine for five years. So I'm like, man, that'd be awesome to 
get one done in 14 hours. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But that's not how it works for everybody, right? Right. So I'm just a very unique individual Mm -hmm. that because I can hear God so clearly, and and again, that's how my life rolls, and everybody who knows me knows that about me. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't surprise people if I go from, you know, writing books to public speaking to, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking to a crowd of 56,000 in a group. So, you know, it just, you just never know where God's going to lead, but wherever he leads, I just follow. And mm-hmm. I'm saying, yes, Lord, I'm willing, send me, you mm-hmm. know? So yeah. that's, that's why it's so unique. Why do you think it's important to publish a book nowadays? Because uh, it just seems like every time I turn around, and I'm not saying this is wrong, I'm just saying that every time I turn around, it seems that someone is writing a book. Why do you think it's mm-hmm. important? Because I've heard it said that everybody has a book inside of them. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think you said in the very beginning, everybody has a story. Yeah. Right? That's everybody true. has a story. Mm-hmm. Your entire podcast is a book. It's probably many books. Mm-hmm. If you literally sat down to, to transcribe your interviews with people, you'd be amazed at how many books you actually have here. Yeah. And that's how a lot of people will write their books as well. I don't know that everybody is meant to write a book. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was ever meant to write a book. I don't even think I'm a great writer because I honestly, I've never looked at it as I'm going to, you know, take this book and go out and make my millions from this book. Right. But let me tell you, People do. People have made their millions from their books. And I easily could do the same if I used it the way other people do. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that's, those were not the intentions behind my books. I Trust me, there's one book. It's called God's Miracles. In the first hour, there was over a 1,000 downloads of that book. Mm-hmm. So my books become bestsellers. And it's not anything that I do, I don't believe. I believe it's just I publish what God tells me to publish. Mm-hmm. And so these 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 ideas, these stories that everybody has a book inside of them. I agree that everybody has a story, but not everybody is supposed to be a, an author or a writer. Right. I, many of my students actually will tell me, I don't want to be a bestseller. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, what if your book becomes a bestseller? Are you opposed to that? Well, no, but I just, I don't have any desire to be a bestseller. So not everybody has the same desires. Right? Yeah. But I believe with all my heart though, that, if you are called to write a book, you need to sit down and, and let that book come out. I do believe that. Well, and I like what you said. You, you brought up a really good point, and uh, someone actually shared this with me a few days ago. Well, what is the point? What is the purpose? What are you looking for when it comes to writing your book? Are you wanting to be, number one, I want to be writer-author, or is it, I'm a speaker and author is just something underneath of it. I want to be a speaker and I just want to write this book or I'm a counselor and I just just happens to write books or is author mm-hmm. number one. Now, you talked about if God is calling you to write a book, then you need to do that. How do you know if God is prompting you to write a book? I know you know because mm-hmm. obviously you sit down and 14 hours later you have a book, but maybe anybody who's listening right now, how do they know that God is prompting them to write a book? Great question. So I would say if you cannot stop thinking about it, you need to do it. Okay. It's just going to keep coming up over and over and over again until you do it. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I have plenty, plenty of my students will say, you know, they feel called to write their books. But yet, the this, this spirit of fear overtakes people. Mm-hmm. And so they get paralyzed with that fear, and that book never gets published. 
So for maybe some people, they're supposed to write the book but not publish the book, okay? Mm-hmm. But for some people who are supposed to write and publish a book, in fact, I'm working with one author right now who she has 14 books that she's written for children, 14 mm-hmm. manuscripts that are done. All she needs to do is get them published. Mm-hmm. But she is dragging her feet because of the spirit of fear. Mm. And what is she afraid of? She's afraid of being successful. She's because afraid of being her... successful. Who's afraid of being successful? I guess I've just never heard that before. Yes. Most of the people that I work with are afraid of being successful. Wow. And it's so interesting because you know what this comes back to? And I wish we had another whole hour to talk about this. It comes back to the fact that we as Christian people are often taught that we're supposed to be poor. And Mm. if you're successful, then Mm -hmm. that might mean that everybody's going to look to you, that you're going to have lots of money, you're going to have a big house. And so that spirit of of fear is around that, that we are convinced that we're supposed to be poor. And that's not true. Right. God is God of abundance and of prosperity. And this is not about the prosperity gospel, Mm -hmm. but this is the truth Mm -hmm. that God looks at us as heirs to his kingdom. He doesn't see us as poverty and poor. He sees us as the sons and daughters of heirs to his kingdom. So we have to get that spirit of fear out of us in order to truly be whatever God has called us to be. Well, and I had a pastor who was famous for saying the the kingdom of God is not funded by the widow's two mites, meaning, mm. you, you know, it's, it's great that you can give and you can sacrifice, but you need to create money in order for the kingdom of God to be funded, in order to send missionaries, in order to help the poor, in order, you know, to do all the tangible things. And I never would have thought, because I have read that 93% of people who want to write a book don't, and that never would have crossed my mind that they would be afraid of being successful. Because honestly, my fear is that I wouldn't be successful. My mm-hmm. fear is who would read my book? Like, even though I know God's yep. calling me, who would read it? Do you come into yep. that where people are just afraid that they won't be successful? Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and I, that was going to be the other side of that coin, you mm-hmm. know, that it is that fear as well. And if you, okay, so here's a question for you I have, Rachel. Okay. Who would you be, who would you be if you let go of that particular fear? Who would I be? Mm-hmm. I'd be the same person, I guess. That's right. Yeah. Who would you be if nobody bought your book? I guess I would feel I'd be the same person, only a little bit more in debt, or <laughs> or someone who lost a lot of money spending <laughs> on trying to publish a book, and it, it never yeah. it never sold. So is that the worst thing that can happen? Yeah, I guess you're right. That is the worst thing that can happen. So so why not give it a try? Yeah. If you already invested the money into getting your book done, mm-hmm. then why not continue until it gets done? Mm-hmm. Here's the truth of the matter. Nobody has any clue who's going to buy their book when they're done publishing their book. Nobody. You have no idea the people that you could impact. And if all you impacted was Johnny down the street, mm-hmm. at least you impacted one more heart that read your book. Mm-hmm. Even if you sold one book. And you know what I've also heard, too, of of different authors that said, just because people don't buy your book now doesn't mean they don't buy it 10 years down the road, right? So your book (laughs) may is not just to reach people of today, but your book may also be to reach people of tomorrow. You know, somebody that may be not even born yet. It's funny that you said that because one of my books just sold yesterday that I wrote 10 years ago. 
Nice. So I think it's really ironic that you say that because <laughs> that's exactly what happened. And that's true. You never know what's going to happen. So why not just do it? Why not just obey God and get it out there? Yeah. No, I love that. And and, and really, like you just said, it's about obeying God. It's just about yeah. being obedient. And when we're obedient to God, whether we see the fruit of it or not, we can at least rest in knowing that we've been obedient to what he's That's asked right. us to do. You chose to self-publish, and I'm seeing a lot more people choosing to self-publish instead of doing the traditional right route. Why did you choose to self-publish, and why do you think so many other people are choosing that route? I think there's a, a number of reasons. One of the main reasons is because a lot of times when people go the publishing route, they end up spending tens of thousands of dollars. Okay? In traditional I, publishing? In traditional publishing. Really? Yeah, here's why. Unless you're getting an advancement, unless you have, you, unless you know the exact steps to take when you are writing up a book proposal, unless you know what the what they're going to be looking for in the publishing world, you don't really know how to do it. So if you are going to do traditional publishing, the first thing I highly recommend is that you study and learn and know exactly what it is that they look for in whatever publishing company you're going to use. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what it is that they look for, you're just going to be throwing darts at a dartboard that are just going to bounce off and fall down to the ground. Okay? Okay. So you have to know what they look for. Mm -hmm. the, second, the second thing is I would say make sure that you have some type of a platform. Most of the publishing companies that take on new clients, it's because they know or they believe that there's something very unique and special about this particular author and the story that they've written. Mm -hmm. And that typically will build a platform. So you don't have to have a platform but when you come in with already having, say, 10,000 on your social media sites, okay, mm -hmm. they know that you've already gotten the attention of your audience. And mm -hmm. so a book publishing company is going to look at that and say, okay, let's see what she's got here. Let's see what he's got here. And they will take a look at that. Mm -hmm. But primarily what happens is that people are just throwing their darts and they're spending tens of thousands of dollars trying to get the attention of the publishing and it's unfortunate that that happens, but, you know, hiring editors, hiring the, the, um, the right illustrator, hiring the right graphic designer, these things are vitally, vitally important. Mm -hmm. And unless you know exactly what to do, you, yeah, you could be spending and wasting a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of your resource in your money. The reason I went with self-publishing was because I didn't have money at the time. That was not a thing. Like last year, we gave like $22,000 away, okay? Mm -hmm. I didn't have $22,000 just to give away. Right. I knew that if God was calling me to do it, if he gives you the vision, which is this is what I was told, if he gave you the vision, Kelly, he's going to give you the provision mm -hmm. to get that vision created. I didn't, I wasn't concerned about it. I did not even think about it. Once the book was accomplished or done, I was talking with a friend and he said, hey, listen, he goes, I've got a couple thousand dollars I'd like to give to you to oh, get wow. your book. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? Like that never occurred to me, you know, so God provided a way for me to get that book done. Mm -hmm. Did I need that $2,000? No. And I'll tell you why. When you self-publish a book, let's say you do it on Amazon, it is a totally free service inside of Amazon. Totally free. You don't have to spend a dime, okay? Mm -hmm. If you want to hire a graphic designer, I'm going to give you a little hint that will save you thousands of dollars. Go on Fiverr.com and hire a graphic designer. I, loved, on I love Fiverr. Fiverr. 
right? I love They're Fiverr. Phenomenal. But you just have to make sure that you're, you're reading the reviews, that mm-hmm. it's a person who's been on there for a very long time. Make sure that you really do your due diligence and research because you don't want to hire someone who doesn't have the, the experience you mm-hmm. know, behind them. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why I went self-publishing. And I teach self-publishing now because so many authors, they don't, they don't care to go down the tradition of publishing house. And one of the biggest things that they'll come back and say is, I don't get any money from my my publisher. Like I get very little, they get most of it. And I get very, you know, few pennies for royalty fees. And Mm -hmm. that's really unfortunate. If I had known that I probably would not have gone down that path. Mm. Listen, I'm not, I'm not saying don't use a traditional publisher at all. Yeah. There is a time and a place to use a traditional publisher. Mm -hmm. So decide, you know, what it is that you want to do and be 100% in no matter what it is that you choose. That's the key. Be 100% in. But if you're going to be 100% into the publisher, you need to have the, the knowledge. Do your due diligence. If you're going to do self-publishing, find a mentor who has already done it, mm-hmm. but don't spend tens of thousands of dollars. I'm going to tell you right now, I teach people how to publish their books. When I was learning and had my mentor, mm-hmm. it cost me thousands of dollars. What I'm doing right now is I'm giving my information of 17 years away for $97 a month. Mm-hmm. That's all. Mm-hmm. $97 a month. If you publish your book for $97, amazing, mm-hmm. right? Right. <laughs> Who does that? Right. Oh, oh, something else that in my research, because I was trying to figure out the same thing. Do I go the traditional route? Do I go the self-publishing route? And something else I learned that I don't think people realize when they're trying to figure out which path am I going to take is in self-publishing, you have more control. It's like for your book cover, for example, when you're traditional publishing, like they own your manuscript once you sign that contract and you don't even really, you might have a say in your book cover, but it's very little. Mm. And to me, that sounds really important. I would, I would want, (laughs) I would want control over what my cover looked like. Right. Yeah. Well, you know that a traditional publisher is not going to send out an ugly book cover. But no. you're right. It may you may not agree with what that what gets put on it. I mm-hmm. absolutely agree with that. Um, and at the same time, they do most of the traditional publisher houses now. They do listen to their their um, authors because they don't want their authors to end up hating them. And especially over the last couple of years with all this stuff happening, you know, people are, are more in tune now to making sure that that connection is there between them and the author. Mm -hmm. So uh, don't be afraid in any way, shape, or form of doing a traditional publisher. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there is a huge benefit to self-publishing. And literally, you can make make a million dollars with one book from Mm -hmm. self-publishing. Here's how. Use that book. If you're a coach or if you're, you know, a consultant or somebody who has something that that particular book goes with. So let's just say I use one of my books for my signature talk, okay? If when I was working with marriages, for example, many years ago, I was working with couples. Um, when I first started coaching, I wrote a book called Love Differently, Stay Married. And it served the purpose of keeping couples together or helping pre-engagement counsel. And so that particular book was used not to have that book be sold necessarily, but it became part of a, a program that people pay thousands of dollars for. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a book can just be the added bonus to a program or it can literally become the signature talk that you want to do. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so this is how people really can make a lot of money, millions of dollars based on a book or a signature talk or something that they want to combine it with. So you have all kinds of options. I really and truly, you know, the sky's the limit when it comes to what you can do with a book. I just think it's brilliant to hear God speak to you. Mm-hmm. And if it keeps coming up, go do it. Get it out there. Don't let anything stop you. What do you think are some of the biggest mistakes some amateur authors make if this is the first time that they are looking to publish a book? I've seen it so many times, and it breaks my heart. Even some of my students have done this, and then they go, oh, I wish so much that I had hired you first. They'll put out an ugly book. In fact, my first book was an ugly book. Meaning like the cover? Like the cover was ugly? Okay. Yes, the cover was ugly. And I was okay with an ugly cover. I did not have a problem with the ugly cover. I don't know why I was like that, because this was a book that God told me to write, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to write a book, remember? Mm -hmm. I was not that person that was raising my hand going, yes, pick me, pick me. I was like the opposite. I'm like, I don't want to write a book. I don't want to do this. (laughs) So I didn't care if the cover was ugly or not, and that just sounds terrible. But here's the good news. You can always go back and change anything, even if it's 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. You can pull that book down. You can redo that cover anytime you want. The problem with just getting out there and just kind of like, you know, throwing the dart to the dartboard, you're going to make these mistakes. Like you don't know what the book matter is. If you don't know what book matter is, you need to learn that before you start to publish a book. A book matter is the front information, like your copyright information, your title page, your table of contents. That's book matter. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what that stuff is and you just publish a book, you may be missing out on so much. Mm-hmm. And and people are not going to appreciate your book like they could. Mm-hmm. One of the number one advice tips that I've seen in researching how to publish a book is do not pick your or do not design your own cover to actually hire somebody to create that cover for you. Would you agree with that? Well, that depends. Are you an artist? Right. If you're not an artist, then definitely hire If you are writing a children's book and you've hired an illustrator to do the inside of your book, the interior, Mm -hmm. then you want that same artist to do the cover. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there is a really good question. It's an important question because your book cover, it says everything, right? Your title and your book cover says everything. Because what are you going to see when you walk inside a Barnes & Noble? Mm -hmm. Right? That book cover is going to be standing out or it's going to be blending in. And so you, you get to choose, but you, you definitely want to hire a really good illustrator or graphic designer for your books. And it, again, go to Fiverr if you don't have a lot of money. There are on tons budget, on Fiverr. Yeah. And they also have yeah. format, formatters, too. I've seen a lot of uh, those that will format your book on Fiverr. And, some, and something, too, we always say don't judge a book by its cover. But we do. We do. Like, I just, sometimes Always. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing because we do. True. I mean, and this is, this is who we are. And as human beings, we love beautiful things. God created mm-hmm. us to love beautiful things and beautiful things catch our eye. Yeah. You want that book cover that is going to catch somebody's eye that, yeah, that doesn't blend in with everybody else. Uh, any mm-hmm. books that you will be publishing in the future? That you want to tell us about? 
Yes, most definitely. So I don't always know what books I'm going to be publishing in the future. Like God doesn't necessarily show me. Mm -hmm. But I do know that that book, Love Differently, Stay Married, that is going to have a sequel to it at some point. I also, yep, I also know that there's going to be another book coming out about the set-free life because that's what my coaching was all about. It was helping people find freedom uh, many years ago. That book is still kind of percolating. It's not something that God said, okay, now's the time to sit down and write this. Mm -hmm. So I know that these book titles are coming out and around my business as well, maybe even around Fetch the Goodness. Fetch the Goodness, by the way, is again where God gave me three visions. That's for the children's ministry that we have. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're publishing books in our children's ministry. So, you know, we already have those going. So, you know, there's going to be lots of books in the future for sure. I don't know. I'm an old woman. Like, I'm, I'm legit an old woman. I'm in my 60s, you know, mm-hmm. and, and pardon me if that's, you know, not old to other people. But to me, that's old. Uh-huh. That This is when God had me start all of this stuff, you uh-huh. know, when I was in my 50s. So mm-hmm. you are never too old to start and, I, and don't ever feel like you cannot do it because if I can do it, anybody can do it. Well, and I appreciate you saying that because I think that is another reason why there are so many people that feel that they are supposed to write a book and they don't because there's a part of them that says, well, I'm too old. And I think Mm -hmm. it's because we live in a culture that worships youth and accomplishing everything that you can accomplish before the time you're 25. And when you're over, you know, a certain age, you think, well... I'm too old to be able to to accomplish something like that. So I appreciate you sharing that. Kelly, I can find your books on Amazon. Do you sell them at your website, certifiednowwhat.com? Yes, I do. They're actually actually in several places. I'm not going to give you all of the information about where to find the books, but there's only three of them on Amazon. A lot of them go with my programs. Mm -hmm. So like what I was telling you earlier, I have books that go with my programs. So The Set Free Life, there's books that go with that. Love Differently, Stay Married, you know, there's books that go with that, that's the goodness, you know, Mm -hmm. so they're all over the place. But what I would say is this, if you are interested in publishing a book, in writing and publishing your book, Mm -hmm. just contact me through Facebook. Seriously, just contact me. I would be happy to get anybody into $97 a month and I will teach you everything I know in there Mm -hmm. because it is, that really is the best place to start when you don't really know what to do. So that's what I would recommend. No, that's good. And I I know for me myself, I'm also in a mentorship type of class and I highly recommend anybody that is looking to self-publish and they've never done it before to get some sort of mentor to kind of hold your hand through it. And we can find Mm -hmm. your course at certifiednow.com. You're also on LinkedIn and Instagram. Any last words before we close? Certified now what? So it's like certified now what? Right? Oh, <laughs> did like I not say it right? I apologize. Yeah, I'll make okay. sure that I nope. put the I I'm a, I'll make sure that I put it in the show notes too, so people okay. can click no on problem. it. Yeah, no problem. I'm all over social media, LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm everywhere. So just wherever, just look up Kelly Frazier and you have to spell it right, of course. It's not like the show Frazier. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure that um, right, the correct spelling is in the show notes too. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, please, you know, connect with me, if, if especially if God has put something on your heart to write, because you need to get it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, our books are not for us. Our books are for God to spread his message. And Amen. that is why we are here doing what we're doing. Amen. I love it. Well, thank you. It was such a pleasure to chat with you, Kelly. Thank you mm-hmm. for being here. Thank you. It was great fun. Thank you again for joining Kelly and I on that very insightful conversation. If you feel God is leading you to 
share your unique story through a book, I have put some resources in the show notes to help you move forward. Don't forget to download, share, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved, and because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I'll see you right back here next week.